right? This is the almost world-famous Original Music Jam podcast. All right, here we go. Episode three. All right, what's up? Why are you looking at me like that, Jim? Well, um... I'm in a bit of a conundrum. Okay, conundrum. Isn't that kind of a big word for you? Are you sure you're using it correctly? Conundrum. Noun. Confusing and difficult problem or question. <laughs> there According you go. to Merriam-Webster, A, an intricate and difficult problem, yeah. B, a question or problem having only a conjectural answer. Whatever okay. conjectural Sounds means. like Martin's been playing Wordle again. Okay, Jim Gaynor, what's your conundrum? Well, Carrie Drake, remember last episode I built that simulated acoustic piano yeah. stand or piano shelf yeah. for the Roland Go piano? Sure. Made it look like a miniature upright piano? Yeah. Well, I put a wood stain on it to make it look more realistic. Yeah, so how does it look? Well, it actually looks pretty cool. Okay, so what's the problem? Well, I realized... I'm not a black, glossy, finished piano player. Wait, what do you mean, black, glossy, finished piano player? What the heck is a black, glossy, finished piano player? Well, a black, glossy, finished piano player is someone who plays in a concert hall, who plays all the notes impeccably. Impeccably. An adverb in accordance with the highest standards, faultlessly. Unlike the results we get around here. <laughs> okay, Martin, we got it. Yeah, Vladimir Horowitz, Oscar Peterson, Keith Jarrett. Those guys are all black, glossy finished piano players. I started out wanting to be a black, glossy finished piano player, but I'm more of a dark brown walnut satin finished piano player. Yeah, okay, this may be no surprise, but I'm still confused, Jim. <laughs> okay, I'm not a kind of piano player that plays in concert halls. I, I'm lucky to play in a bar on a Friday or a Saturday night. I don't learn songs. I never ever played a song in same way twice even when i'm doing classical pieces i tend not to do it the same chord voices i use are intended to sound a little out of tune a little walkie kind of like this so i'm more of a brown satin finished old piano you found in the basement type of player not a concert grand piano player type yeah okay so why is that a problem i still don't get it well i stained the piano stand black <laughs> Oh, so I guess you have to learn how to play like a black, glossy, finished piano player. Yeah, I'm going to have to try, but that's going to be quite hard. Do you have any idea how old I am? Yeah, yeah, I do. Again, such a tortured life you live. It's a good thing we're doing silly songs this episode, because this dialogue fits right in with that topic. Is the first song up, Looking Back? Yep, two things with this song. First... It was super hard to come up with a title. And second, I practically stole this song from Carrie. Yeah, so I kind of casually said that line while telling a joke in a conversation. <laughs> yeah. And Jim was yeah. all over it. I thought it was hilarious. Next time we talked, yeah. he said he had this song stuck in his head and he just needed to push it out. Yeah. So the thing was, I had that line slated for another song. And since Jim stole that line, I had to go back and rewrite that other song. Now who's got such a tortured life? Yeah, me. I, I guess it worked out because we ended up with two songs. But why was it so hard to come up with a title? Well, you can't give away the punchline in the title. The song really should use it as the title here, the way this line works in the song. But it gives away the punchline. It ruins the joke. Another conundrum. Now, what is with you and your conundrums today? I don't know. I guess it's a conundrum type of day. I couldn't find a title that felt right. I settled on this title looking back, and it's more and more starting to feel like an acceptable title for the song. Okay, okay. You can't tease a joke and not tell it. You've got to play the song now. All right, we're going to play the song. But I'm going to grab some mics and run into my living room and record the acoustic grand piano for this podcast. I like how it sounds out of tune just enough for these kind of songs. The only thing is, is my wife tends to get upset with me when I set up mics in the living room. I think I talked about that in episode one. Yeah, yeah. Protecting your territory. Well, good luck with that, my friend. Well, here I go. Hey, Martin, you think he's going to make it? 
Not sure. What do you think the over-under is going to be? Okay, I'm ready. All right, let's count it off. Um, one, amazing. two, oh, one, two, three. Looking back on my life. Looking back through the years. Looking through all the restless nights. singing under your vocal line and the wow. bass singer is, is actually me i really can't sing much in tune so i got as low as i could and just auto-tuned it down and that added a really deep tone to my voice huh? the inspiration came from the choir in the movie oh brother where art thou oh wow i love that movie so but the point is you cheated again you know i yes i did <laughs> sounds pretty cool though doesn't yeah it? not bad Yeah, now you see my conundrum there. Where the, the title of that song should be Hope God is Grading on a Curve, but I'm going to call it Looking Back so that it doesn't give away the punchline. Yeah, who knew writing silly songs is such a serious endeavor? Hey, who are we going to interview today? Yes, well, today we have the world-famous audio engineer, Martin Stebbing. Hey, Martin, tell us about yourself. Well, my name is Martin Stebbing, and I was born and raised in the East End of London, where I completely failed to attend school. But whilst failing <laughs> yeah. to attend school, I was teaching myself all the electronics. And I was busy working with my friends, building synthesizers and mixing desks cool. from our own designs, because we couldn't afford to actually buy the stuff. We made demos and recordings, and other friends in other bands picked up on that and would ask us to make their records for them, which 
Great. So I eventually realized that I'm probably better at doing engineering work than being a musician. I found it much more interesting. So then I started mixing bands and also mixing in nightclubs and engineering and playing still going on the road, touring for years at a time with several bands. And uh, eventually, I just kind of switched over to the engineering and producing. Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy because you ask somebody today, uh, how did you learn how to be an engineer? And the technology has changed so drastically and so yeah. much. It's kind of like a continuing thing. So you never stop learning. You ne There was never a point where you said, I know this stuff now. <laughs> this industry is that you, I'm always learning. I'm always finding new tricks. It, it, there's always more than a dozen ways to skin any cat in and it. And we've skinned a few cats along the way. Oh, yes, we have. We polished a few oh. turds, too. So, yes, in 1989, I was on tour with the band, and I came over to the States. And I was always confused by this. When people would say after the show, it sounded great. Where did you go to school to learn to do audio? And I would say, you mean there's schools where you learn to do audio? I always thought it was just something... You did. But apparently there are schools, which is great. That's awesome. But I didn't go to any of them. I just kind of learned. Yeah. So you wrote the textbook for them. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to know, Martin, how did you get to America? Take a left to Iceland or something like that? <laughs> well, I didn't swim. I came here in 1989 with a band. Was on tour with them. I met my wife and the tour finished and uh, the band went back to England and I went back to Chicago and I've been here ever since you know of course going back for tours and other records and what have you all right so now i gotta ask you who have you worked for uh well when i first got here i was working with lots of indie rock bands like naked ray gun kmfdm sister machine gun all of those kind of industrial bands i was doing a lot of that stuff then i got a job working for jive records as an in-house engineer uh and i was my very first gig with them was programming for Billy Ocean and helping out engineering an album with him. And uh, R. Kelly, Common Sense. Will Smith, did you work with Will Smith? Will Smith, uh, if you listen to Boom Boom Shake the Room, you'll hear my voice in there because it was me leading everybody. Really? Oh, yeah. Now I got to go listen to that. Koi Dog Pondering, Wilco. My God, loads of uh, rap and R&B acts, cash money, criminals. I uh, just, there's an endless list of them. I did Cradle to the Grave. I did all the music for that. Oh, yeah. I saw Cradle to the Grave. That was with the Jet Li and DMX, right? It was that crazy Jewel Thief movie. All right, Martin. So I've got to ask, what's the worst situation you ever had to endure oh, in the studio? It's a close call. Was it one of the songs that I wrote that, or one of, no. the, <laughs> one of the scores I did? No, it's a very famous artist who was producing a not-so-very-famous artist. The famous producer artist was out of his head on crack cocaine. And then the person that they were meant to be producing was so heavily zoned out on downers, she could barely stand up. So I had two manic producers oh and gosh. catatonic artists oh. in a studio. It was horrible. It was really the worst four days of my life. I was, <laughs> it, uh, and, and then their manager called me from Nashville. Would I go down to Nashville to, uh, to work some more with them? And I said, I would love to. Because <laughs> you're crazy. But only on one condition. No crack in the control room. Yeah. I didn't get a callback. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Into that one. And another time I had a bipolar rapper who kept getting violent, like randomly. Yeah. We would oh. just be sitting, working away, and suddenly he would just start threatening me, and I would have to threaten him back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's the coolest thing you ever did in this studio? And that includes mixing uh, one of the shows that I wrote the music for. <laughs> 
I think the most enjoyable record I ever made, and I'm still making records with them today, is the point of pondering when I did Pomegranate. I, it was we had we didn't do it in a traditional studio. We built uh, a kind of strange roving console uh, that could roll around, and we had this uh, a big old basketball court in Cabrini Green, which later went on to become Chicago Tracks. Oh yeah, I, I know that place. So we were using it uh, as our. Uh, we used it for recording the, uh, the tracks of Pomegranate. We had loads of fun and we did loads of orchestral parts on other days, which is a bit more somber. And then, you know, there's playful stuff. It was a really interesting project that went on for about six months. Probably the most fun I've ever had in the studio with any band. So, okay. So my last question, what advice would you give to somebody who wanted to get into the business? Yeah, I wouldn't And know. you can't say, don't get in the business. I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say, <laughs> I can recommend a good psychiatrist. <laughs> okay, good. Because <laughs> it's a crazy business, I would isn't say, it? if you were young and wanting to get into the business, uh, and I'm not being cynical here, but I think it's always good to have a second skill set. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, because... Not everybody's cut out for this. You ha there, has, there is a certain amount of bullet-headedness that you need to have to do this job. Yep. But you also need to have a second. You need to have something else up your sleeve. It's not always, you know, wine and roses um, in the audio industry. I do post-production. I do field production. Right. I broadcast. I do everything there is because uh, probably because i'm old yeah so i've always had other things up my sleeve like i can i can do engineering you know like classic soldering stuff repairing stuff um cabling up studios um i have other things i can do other than being an audio engineer now i have other skill sets you know if thing if the industry's gone bad which it has you know like the music industry doesn't have the money that it used to have so i moved to doing post-production which i enjoy um and from that, I got into doing field production, which I really enjoy. And field production, so people who don't know what that is, that's like um, when they're shooting on camera, you're placing mics and recording. Exactly. Yes. So let me, yes. So there's music production, which is obviously, you know, music, working in the studio, engineering, or maybe not in the studio, but non-traditional places. Um, and also live, you know, live, love, live sound, which I love doing live sound. It's always fun. But then there's, uh, you know, post-production, which is uh, for TV and film where you're, you know, it's the production's gone through the edits and everything's put together. Obviously, there has to be an audio mix. So post-production is another love of mine. Field production is the actual making of those TV and films. So you're out there with the mics and the mixer in the pouring rain with mosquitoes feeding on your blood in a <laughs> uh, somewhere, but you're having adventures and I have had some adventures doing that. So I enjoy doing that, the, the field production too. So I have all these different avenues of, of work, which I can pursue, you know, so for instance, this week I've been doing a bit of music. I've been doing a little post-production and I've just finished up doing some uh, field production. And actually that's how you and I met is doing post-production. Um, that's right. You were mixing TV shows, and I was doing the music for them, and, yes. and that's how we met. And the point I should get back to is, like, you kind of got to take a shotgun approach to anything in this business these days. Like, if you're a musician, you got to do five things. Yeah. If you're an engineer, you got to do eight million things. You yeah. Can't, you can't just sit on your laurels in one area anymore. Yeah, and it's, you know, you've got to love it. You there's, yeah. If you don't yeah, love true. this job, 
of doing audio professionally, then you are really not going to have a good time. Yeah. I love doing audio. It's been a lifetime for me. And I hope to be doing it until the ears fall off my head. Which it's, it looks like they're almost there. <laughs> No, that's it's age. They're just stretching like old man. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do. <laughs> hey, we got to get back to our silly songs for this podcast episode. What do you think we should do? Keep on drinking or till we're gone? Or both? I think we only have time for keep on drinking, so I think maybe we should do that one. But you, but you don't even drink, Jim, so what's up with that? I'm not really sure why I don't drink. I guess I was. I always thought drinking was a grown-up thing, and I've avoided doing grown-up things as much as possible. <laughs> I mean, I didn't start drinking coffee until I was late in my 50s, and that's probably the most grown-up thing I've ever done. Wow, so I, mature. Yeah, I guess I did raise some <laughs> kids, but other than that... I avoid that kind of stuff. But I have nothing against drinking, and I love doing drinking songs in a in a bar. It's, yeah, just, well, it's kind of wimpy, Jim. Yeah, you know, so I always order my Diet Coke in a dirty glass. Just <laughs> Okay, here we go. More silly songs. Carrie, get ready to sing. Okay, I'm ready. Wait, this mic? Yeah, go ahead. Change what's not broke. That's right. Yeah, get back to the focus. <laughs> when you walked in about a half past ten, man, I was more than halfway there. Then you slithered up and sat right down and gave me the come hither step. I said, hey, about ten to give us two more and two more and on and on. And by the time they shouted last call, Just stop thinking and keep on 
Special thanks to Dave Stevenson and his son, Matt, for singing background and stuff on that. Yeah, Dave, thanks so much, man. Yeah, so hey, what I remember about this song is that uh, a guy in the band needed time off, like four months, to play with another band. And Carrie came to me with this song. It had all the lyrics and chords, and he thought it should just be a piano and vocal thing. And I just needed to come up with a piano part. Yeah, that's kind of a weird thing when you write something on guitar, but you're hearing it as a piano song, right? Because, you know, writing the song, that's exactly what I heard, too. And, and, and you know, that's what's great about collaborating, once again. Yeah, so I went and listened to Billy Powell's piano playing in Leonard Skinner. He was the keyboard player in Leonard Skinner. And I kind of used that as inspiration. And then I just added a variation of Duke Ellington's uh, ending from Take the A Train on the end. So, Carrie, how did you come up with the lyrics? Well, the lyrics, it was, you know, uh, kind of a takeoff on, you know, when you hear people say, okay, this time with feeling. And I was thinking about that in the context of drinking and like, you know, we're going to keep on drinking until we mean it, you know, keep on drinking like you mean it. So, you know, uh, drink with feeling didn't sound really great to me. And I thought, keep on drinking till you mean it keep on drinking like you mean it and i'm like all right there it is i got it jim yeah what are you doing nothing hey are you ever going to tell the story behind the almost world famous music jam name yeah well there's no time right now well it's time to shut down anyway let's go bugger off and drink that drink made of my absolute namesake a martini hey nice tie into the drinking theme there so I better say thanks to everybody, such great musicians and Sweetwater Sound. And man, we got some cool stuff coming up next time. Later, Gainer. See you, Gary.